0: Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Transcripts Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
1: What is up on a Thursday, Friday, whenever you may be listening to this, I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. Today we got Colin Brister on for a Texas A&M Series preview as Ole Miss faces a crucial series in College Station this weekend. Already becoming a little bit of a numbers game for the Rebels at 0-6 in the SEC. Talked about that. Tarpgate as Ole Miss somehow had another midweek game canceled due to field conditions. Uh, Delane Burroughs Vindication No Contest is what many people are calling it. I think historians will probably etch that in cement. But we got into that, what to expect this weekend, the change in the rotation, and uh, a whole lot more. So buckle up, think you'll enjoy the conversation. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you, the podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, Glad you asked. So the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Central and Advanced Modeling Mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you did not use Skybox on March Madness, you probably didn't win any money, which is a shame. If you'd use Skybox, you definitely would have. They're the best handicapping service in the business. They've got all kinds of different sports. The NASCAR is crushing it right now. It's not too late to sign up and uh, profit on the final four of the national title game. Got the NBA playoffs coming up. All kinds of great stuff. All you have to do is go to skyboxsportspicks.com. Find a picks package that's going to fit your price range. Use the promo code Rippy R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue. If you're a Rippy Right subscriber, it's rippyrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now, the deal is three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets. For 20 bucks, that's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just go in, show Greg or whoever's in there proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world, crown jewel of Oxford. I love the sausages, fresh seafood, all kinds of different stuff there. Check them out, LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here is our man, Colin Brister. All right, we're now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, our man, Colin Brister. Um, I thought we were just going to get right into the uh, what is a pivotal series for uh, Ole Miss against Texas A&M this weekend in College Station, but we, we have another uh, we have another playing surface scandal.
0: So, so twice this year, Ole Miss has left the playing field behind and not lost baseball games. Um, I That's have just good, clean theory. living. I have a I have a new theory on how Ole Miss should approach SEC baseball games. Just go turn the sprinklers on before all the games.
1: Yeah, you do the old Bull Durham. They didn't want to
0: play to the Get us the rain out? Yeah. I like that. So uh, that, the last time I remember saying that was uh, when Ole Miss was about to play Southern Miss on that Monday night, um, or I guess it was Monday afternoon when Doherty pitched and Ole Miss beat Southern to go to the Super Regional against Arizona. And I was sitting there thinking, if we could just get one more – because you remember it was like pouring down rain. And I'm just sitting there thinking, if this rains one more day, Doug McKay's taking the ball on Tuesday and everything's going to be fine. Let's just go turn their sprinklers on.
1: Remember, that was a weird deal because uh, either the start of that game got
0: moved up. Or it was back supposed or to be at six, and then they moved it to twelve.
1: Yeah, but then remember, because you talk about pre-national championship, Ole Miss fan psyche. Do you remember that whole oh, story going around about how if they don't play Tuesday, um, wait, what was that? What was it? Was like if they don't Tuesday, play Tuesday, Southern, Southern would, advance. would advance because they yeah. won the head-to-head
0: on Sunday. Yeah, but they were were like 100% fine to play on Tuesday. Everybody freaked out because they thought, oh, you can't play on Tuesday. Yes, you could. But It was you couldn't play after Tuesday, and they were worried
1: about rain or something. Isn't that what it was?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, just (laughs) good times that was. And then I believe we might have uttered the sprinkler head theory a time or two um, (laughs) leading into that last game of the year at Arkansas State, the last midweek of the year. Oh, that was a good point. They just
0: canceled it because they got smart.
1: Yeah, I think we brought up that theory did, before as it relates. Did you see to what I they did with the midweek
0: Did you see what they did with the midweek against Arkansas State this year? It is not the last week of the season. No, no, because math doesn't count in April; it only counts in May. So that's why they canceled it, or they moved it up because math doesn't count in April. People forget that.
1: If that is actually why they did that, and it may very well be, that's actually it's actually kind of smart. <laughs>
0: No, I, no, I'm being a total jerk. It, I, I mean, it counts the same if you play it on April the 1st or May the 20th. So I don't know why, like, why are you going to play that game at all? If, if it's going to hurt you on May the 20th, it's going to hurt you on April the 1st or whenever that thing is scheduled.
1: No, 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 but, I, I'm with you. I just thought, uh, like, if you, you know, at, at the end, like end you don't run, I guess what I was saying, you avoid the situation of the narrative of, like, can we cancel this? Can we try to get out of it? Like, I feel oh, like it would yeah, that kind good. of thing if it's not the last midweek of the year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because you couldn't that's find, true. like, the, the excuse thing wouldn't play. But that anyway, That be that as it may, Ole Miss does not complete a game last night. The game's ruled a no contest. Um, I'll just be completely honest. I'm not about to get into a, uh, a, a sod breakdown. I was doing a football podcast that, by the time you're listening to this, uh, is already out with Weldon. And I had the game up on my other laptop because it overlapped a little bit. So I was like, all right, I'll get this up as we finish up with Weldon. And they're in the second inning, and I'm kind of halfway following along. And then – all of a sudden, my phone starts buzzing, and I get quite a few texts in a row, and I see they're not on the field anymore. And I noticed the McCants play, like, just kind of, like, I won't say subconsciously, but I was like, oh, that was kind of weird. Or in the game where it seemed like he slipped up a little bit. I did not see the fateful play that ended it where it was, uh, who was it that went to go get field the bunch? Braden Jones. Yeah, yeah, Braden Jones, and he slipped. That ended up calling the game. Um, but obviously, I mean, if you've been living under rock and don't know what I'm talking about, the game was ruled a no contest, um, because of the infi the field conditions, because what looked like particularly on the, uh, inner portion of the infield, uh, sod not taking and it be becoming an unplayable playing surface. And I don't really know how to react to this. I kind of joked at the top that it's a scandal. It's not really a scandal at all. It sounded like actually a pretty responsible decision-making from the umpires that had grounds crew and the two managers, because once I saw the Braden Jones play, kind of slowed down. I was like, okay, that actually is real bad. Like that, yeah, that no, no, looks no. like your worst nightmare on like an NFL field where you have the long cleats and they stick in the ground and you got a guy knees
0: twisted. What did you think of the situation? Um, so, for clarity's sake, I I was not following. I did not know what happened until about thirty minutes after we had a doubleheader last night. Um, so I see on Twitter, it's like that's baseball game canceled for sod, and I'm like, hold on, what? <laughs> Stod, yeah. Like, like, excuse me. Um, I do think I, I, I think I did mean this. I think Mike, if, after the Braden Jones play, like regardless what the umpires said, I think he was close to taking his dudes off the field.
1: Well, it seemed like, and I, I didn't, I didn't catch. I caught a piece of Mike's radio post game comments. I had not read what he said. Anything. I don't know if he had a presser afterward. I, I, I had a hard time find. I didn't search much past Rebel Grove, but um, I, I didn't see much about it. But it did sound like I watched this video of Scott Barry. Um, I have read a transcription of Mike kind of describing the situation because Mike said the groundskeeper had mentioned it to him before and then at some point was like, I really – I'm not sure I feel comfortable with this, and that's maybe when it got stopped. I don't know who initiated it with him or the umpires. It doesn't really matter. But point being, it sounded like both coaches were perfectly cool with that being the case. Like It seemed yeah. like everyone was in unison of like, hey, hey
0: this just isn't going to happen. I just wonder how this didn't come up pregame. Like you're out there throwing and I'm I'm sure they took infield pregame. How did how did they not notice that this was unplayable before the game? That's a good question.
1: I I guess you don't necessarily know how it's going to take in game action. The area in question where Braden Jones went to go field the bunt. Look, I know you have bunts in a baseball game, you have dribblers, but that's not like a heavily trafficked area. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. And so like maybe if the outfield's fine, this I'm just completely guessing here to respond to your question because it's an interesting one. Like, maybe if the outfield's fine, you just kind of say, okay, maybe we can get around it and it's not that bad. But I, that is a good question. Like, you take infield on it and you're like, you probably had an idea. I'm it's guessing it wasn't clear it, yeah. cut enough and they gave it a try and then a couple of dudes slipped and were like, hey, we, we can't do this.
0: Yeah. No, I'm sure that's what happened. Um, no, just kind of interesting and coincidental. um almost kind of needed that game, though, like to get some pitcher some work and, and whatnot. So it's kind of unfortunate they didn't get it in. But – now they head to college station and uh you know we, we we did this all last year but it's it's truly really is a pivotal series i mean you 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 have to figure out a way to get two wins there against the a&m team that's not very good
1: you're right about the first part of what you said but counterpoint it was not going well for the rebels on the mound before it got canceled depoian did not last very long they had some walk issues so did the canceling of the game prevent further self-confidence deterioration between the no. pitchers i just thought of that hot take out loud and that's why no. it's so terrible thoughts
0: did did mike freeze the grass um on his own have you thought about that did that mike maybe made a call and got the uh, turf destroyed so that uh his pitchers didn't have to pitch
1: I that's an interesting question, and I, I don't know if Mike is that devious, but it, I wouldn't put it past him to call uh the Trustmark Park grounds crew repeatedly in the weeks leading up and say under no circumstances will you tarp this.
0: <laughs> Lane Burroughs agrees.
1: Yes. <laughs> Lane Burroughs vindicated last night. The tarp would have prevented um the sod not taking after a freeze. Um Honestly, they should have put a tarp on it, kind of like a band aid, and sat there for forty five minutes and si- see if it was fixed afterward. <laughs> and
0: tweeted the photo at Louisiana Tech.
1: Yeah, just been like, "All fixed." We put a tarp over it. But in all seriousness, to kind of like wrap up the side conversation, the explanation I got was that the they had a cold weather, the like a Monday, the the Monday before the game was played, not the day before, but eight days before. Yeah. And the sod just never took, and I don't want to be the dude that like beats up on the grounds crew because I think they're some of the most salt of the earth people that have fascinating True. jobs, honestly, and difficult ones at that. Like who 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 takes care of y'all's field? Like how much responsibility do you have in that? Or do you have a crew who takes care of you
0: No, no. I mean we 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 do it. Um, no, it's nowhere near as complicated as what a college field would be, but but it's not um, easy
1: to do either. Is my point?
0: No, no. no. Um, we're. High school fields are, are a good many, a good portion of high school fields makes it a little easier to have grass and fields. So it's a little bit easier to take care of. But college fields and pro fields are, are remarkably hard to keep up.
1: It is. It, it takes a, a lot of work. I did something with the Reds Grounds crew one time for like a little like feature story. And I was really amazed at the amount of thought and the amount of care that has to go. And it's efficient as well. Oh, yeah. Those dudes have – I mean, I don't even know if this is an actual science. I'm going to sound dumb, but like it's like down to a science. It's like this is what we do. (laughs) This is how we do it, and they do not deviate. I guess my point is Trustmark Park in some ways, in my opinion, just from kind of the little bit of like social media viewed in recent years, has become kind of a little bit of a punching bag because they don't have – remember, you couldn't do the TV broadcast there for a while, Mm -hmm. and then they finally realized, hey, we should probably let people that aren't here watch the game and figure this out in some way. And so people had been frustrated by that. And then now you have this sod thing where the sod didn't take eight days later. Again, I'm not a grass guy. Um, I, I don't know how that works. I'm not familiar with uh, the grass community or what goes in with that. But it just felt like, oh, man, this is going to kind of lead to more online complaining about how they should not have it at Trustmark Park. Do you have any thoughts about the games at Trustmark Park in general?
0: um oh that is a good point i hadn't thought about it I, I mean oh look i'm fine with it because no for no other reason the the people in central mississippi need to should be able to have Ole miss and state play close to their home i wish Ole miss quite frankly would go and play some games at biloxi like mississippi state does i understand why they really don't because it's a little bit farther trip for them and i, and I understand that but um i kind of wish they would go down there some um you know i no, I have no issues playing games at Trustmark Park. I feel like this is just kind of a freak accident and it happens. The the TV thing was more egregious to me because this this just feels like something that that just a freak accident, but but to not have, you know, fast internet and I and I'm pretty sure that was the reasoning was that the internet wasn't good enough. That 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 being the reason you couldn't broadcast games was kind of you know, I don't really want to hear that. So that was quite frankly more uh egregious than than last night and their press
1: accommodations and i I'm not, I promise i'm not being a big j journalist and doing the whole complaining thing their press box accommodations are absolutely horrendous are there is good? room for like four reporters to sit on the front row and then if you get a second or third row seat there are parts of the field you can't see like it it's it I get it. It's double way baseball. How much media you're gonna have? But if you're gonna have to be like a multi event thing where you know you host the high school state championships, you host other stuff like now I don't, maybe get a real press
0: box. I don't know that the high school one is is a little bit more interesting when you talk about games not being there. And, and I'm not arguing this to be clear, but I'll tell you there are multiple high school coaches uh, like a lot. Again, I don't really have this opinion, but um, I hear it a lot. High school coaches don't want the games there because you can't hit a home run there. Like, okay, like I, know, I know. So
1: I covered two years of high school state championships at Trustmark Park when I was starting out uh, stringing stuff for the Clarion Ledger. Yeah. And granted, there were but there were three other four other dudes there. I say dudes, people covering the games and I'd have to get there super early to try to get a seat because I knew if I didn't get there early enough and I got on You're the second row. Like, guess who's not seeing right center? Um, <laughs> This guy. Like, it, it just, yeah. it's just – it's unbelievable. And it's even worse for the Governor's Cup when I used to go down there. Like, there was just no shot because you have people getting there two hours later. Like, I don't understand that accommodation. Again, I'm not bashing on Trustmark Park. You say no one could hit a home run there. I watched Thomas Dillard hit, one, hit a I walk-off know. run rule shot to right field that I promise you would have gotten out in any park in the was, country, including, like, probably Yellowstone or Yosemite.
0: Yeah, I was there. It hit the, it hit the top of the restaurant, didn't it? Uh, Yeah, it, it – <laughs> It wasn't a wall scraper. I'll put it to you that way. It hit the top of the restaurant out there. I, yeah, Dillard's different, but for the most part, like most normal high school dudes aren't running one out of there.
1: No, you're you're right. That actually <laughs> might. I, now that you say that, not, there's no way I could remember this, but that actually might be the only home run I saw in two years of covering games there to to kind of underscore your point. Oh
0: no, no, no! It's like an actual number, like two or three. Like when people say that, it's like yeah, Dillard and I think a kid from Hamilton, like in 2010 before the the bats were uh before the bats were changed no it's like it's like less than 10 in the last like six or seven years or so so less, where maybe would like, coaches uh, rather to play it then uh, that's a great question and that's why i don't have that opinion that's frankly what i say every time it gets brought up it's like well, okay where are we playing this thing um and now and i know this isn't uh old mr state topic some say old mr state because the the field dimensions are a little bit shorter well, i was gonna um, ask
1: is that not the same
0: problem but it is a little shorter well, yeah, but the issue that nobody talks about when they say those things is, um, y'all understand the state championships this year are on regional weekend. So, like, what are we doing? <laughs> you think Home Message is going to host the uh, regional around the state championships? Like, no, that's not how that works. So, that is always my response is when, when people say that, um, uh, like, okay, where, where are we putting these things? So, um, I get the frustration when maybe guys not be able to run one out of there, but I think it's the best location for it. So, but no, Trustmark Parks, I like Trustmark Park. I, I go to Braves games when I'm in Jackson. So I don't, I don't, and I like that old Missin and State and Southern play in central Mississippi for, for those fans in the Jackson area. Um, because college baseball is a big deal in the state and I'm, I'm glad more people are able to see it and see the, for, you know, usually the case, three really good teams and really good programs. So I'm, I'm fine with games being in Trustmark Park. I don't, I don't think we're moving them to Smith Wills or anything. I love the
1: old Smith-Wills. I know some of my first memories as a kid is going to the Governor's Cup Is that still up? With, with my dad. What is, you say? Smith-Wills still up? is Smith-Wills still up? I, you know, man, I hadn't been to Jackson in a hot minute, which is shameful. I should probably go see my mom or something. <laughs> um, But they come up for most baseball game weekends. I'm assuming it's still up. It's an all-turf deal now. It, I know it wasn't always that way, but it's been an all-turf deal for a long time. I, I assume that's still standing. If, if someone out there has any other uh evidence to show me smith Wills is not standing, I'll actually kind of be dumbfounded. That, no, you can't go play games there now that you have yeah. Park available. And everyone's made the, the Biloxi MGM Park argument, which that place is awesome. Um, I went down there a couple of times once for a bachelor trip and uh, we did a Shuckers game and it was awesome. That place is awesome. And I think Ole Miss should go down there and play that. I know state does it, but Ole Miss doesn't. But the, I guess the argument is you can't do either or. There's just no way if you're going to do these showcase games that you're just going to exclude the largest, you know, metro area in Mississippi. Like it's a both thing. There's like, let's not move the go- these governor's cup games or the whatever they're calling the Southern Miss game to Biloxi. Like I'm, I'm all for doing both, but just the, it's not a realistic idea to just be like, yeah, they're going to play in Biloxi, but these three teams are never going to play in the state capitol.
0: So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I echo everything you say. And I assume you're not scrolling on Twitter, but we have uh, – this has nothing to do with college baseball. We have some some somewhat baseball-breaking news. Um, they're actually going to pay minor league baseball players and not force them into abject poverty now. Oh, like the like gonna, says That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're going to pay them like around $30,000 a year, which, you know – Bunch of twenty-eight-year-old dudes feel like you know. Look, it's not great money, but I feel like you could probably live on that versus you know the five hundred bucks a month they were getting.
1: They started doing the the living accommodations thing a couple years ago after they really got taken to task by some media people about it and and minor leaguers in general about just how terrible the living accommodations are and like you just can't afford to live. And then you started having all these teams like leaking stuff to like team-friendly reporters, being like the you know the ast. I'm just picking a random franchise, but the Astros paid for their minor leaguers housing and it's a pretty generic kind of nice apartment or whatever. And it's like, this is not the flex you think it is like, you're like, Oh, they can live in there now. That's awesome. Like
0: (laughs) they get air conditioning.
1: They're playing for your double a club and they have a place to live. These people are saints. (laughs) Do you you feed them too? Do you give them a uniform? (laughs) It's like, what, what are we doing here? But I am glad to hear that. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) Unfortunately, I would assume that part of that comes from gashing minor league affiliates and, you know, it being like almost half the size of what it is now. But, hey, good for them. Um, People aren't getting priced out of the game. Last, last side gate thing. My only real thought on this is – I'm not going to because I've known so little about how that works. And like if sod doesn't take, it doesn't take. I get it. I know it's easy to dump on the grounds crew, but all those also, I would imagine if you're a grounds crew guy, the most annoying thing ever would be listening to a bunch of people being like, this is bullshit. It's a double A ballpark. I don't know what the situation is. It does seem a little ridiculous that a freeze from last Monday um, would affect a game nine days later. But I've also been around enough golf course people that, like, hey, when something, when you lose some grass, it's hard to get it back in a timely manner. So I'm not going to complain about that. My overall take
0: is that's just kind of unfortunate, but it happens. Yeah, no, it just kind of is what it is. Um, I am interested, when do the Braves open up?
1: The M Braves, that would have to be soon, right? They usually open their season a little bit after the big league clubs, which as we record this on a Wednesday. That opening day is tomorrow. Uh, so I would assume within the week, right? Like, well, how is that going to work? Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying. Like, are they going to be able to play? Well, um, as we
1: just established, they're minor leaguers. Who cares?
0: That's a good point. Their ACLs are worthless. Yeah, um exactly. I don't figure a Ronald Acuna being be doing any uh, rehab starts for the uh, Braves.
1: I was going to say the exact that, same thing. We talk about like how they don't care about minor leaguers, but what if 2017 Ronald Acuna tweak like tears an ACL because the grass in Double A. It's not very good. You think they'd start funding grass and putting a little more funding into the Dubway Park?
0: <laughs> the Aussie Alby slips and all of a sudden they have turf. They start April, April the 7th. 7th. Yeah, they got a little bit, so it'll be fine when they take it. Yeah. So that's
1: been Grass Corner. Glad we got that content out of the way. Now on to what matters, the weekend series against Texas A&M. Um, it's weird. We talk about March. We talk about this team coming off a national title in the regular season just being a baseball season. Then all of a sudden, you might have one of the more important March conference series that I can remember in me- recent memory since we've been doing this podcast. You know, as much as last year, the team got off to a bad start and you're talking about how they need to figure it out. I don't remember one single series because they think they, they would lose two out a three and they would lose two at a three and they would lose two at a three. So you there was still time to make it up. I don't remember one single March or early April series being like, This has to happen this weekend. Now, fast forward, this kind of has to happen for them this weekend. You leave there at one and eight, or God forbid oh and nine. I don't know what we talk about on Sunday.
0: No, it's a uh really You gotta good write point. the O
1: bit from a sheer math
0: perspective. Yeah. I mean, look, you're one and eight, and I mean, realistically, you're talking about thirteen and what like you've got to get to fourteen, sixteen, thirteen, and eight? Doable, but that's tough. Um, yeah, no, they got to win two. Um, I think the change in the rotation certainly is going to help. Um, really, really, really glad that Mike decided to go ahead and do that. I don't know. I don't think I, in good conscience, can predict them to win two games. Now, will I be shocked? No. Um, but it is, it is certainly as must win as it can be from a. Not a program perspective, but from a making the NCAA tournament and feeling somewhat good about it perspective. Now, I will say, if you leave there, as funny as this sounds, if you leave there two and seven, you probably feel okay about yourself within with the perspective of getting to the NCAA tournament. No, no, I, I'm with
1: you there. This is a look. I I, I don't have the pulse of the team anymore from not being at the ballpark every day, but math perspective that would obviously winning two would be huge it's, it's weird to say getting to two and seven would be huge i imagine that's got to help their confidence particularly on the pitching staff if they go into another set team's ballpark and win a series at this point and look pretty good like that feels massive from that standpoint as well
0: yeah yeah you would think that um you would have some some confidence after that and hopefully if you're all miss you you look back at the last two series after this weekend and you're two and seven you just say hey, florida and vanderbilt are really good um, and they got us, and we were young, and we were inexperienced, and uh, we're going to be okay. That's 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 what you hope. You look back and you say after this weekend, and um, but you're going to have to go play well. Ole Miss cannot play like they played. Look, Florida and Vanderbilt were good, and Ole Miss may have even gotten swept if they played well. some t- some of those games, I don't really think so. But um, you you have Ole Miss cannot play the quality of baseball that they played the first two series, um, and expect to win two games in College Station. They have to play better on both sides of the baseball. They have to pitch it better, and they have to swing it better.
1: I was about to say, I threw some numbers at you right before we started recording, and we'll get to those in just a second. Because this is a multifaceted thing. We, the pitching has been talked about a lot, but I got some offensive numbers to throw at you in a second that kind of paint a picture of just kind of overall in, uh, futility. Uh, let's get into the rotation change, though. Mike did make the rotation change. Sam Tekoian started for Ole Miss on Tuesday night in the game that never existed. Um And then you he bumped up Xavier Rivas to game two Saturday um, and is now having JT Quinn start on Sundays. Just your thoughts on this. Uh, Mine initially is like, I'm not going to go that this should have happened two weekends ago. This is the logical move that makes sense. And when you talk about when you move Rivas up a day, I couldn't think of another logical candidate other than Quinn to take over the spot that yeah. is open.
0: Yeah. They, I, I... I'll be honest, I expected Xavier Rivas to move to uh, Saturday this week. Um, I, I figured that was coming. I didn't know if Mike would go ahead and announce a starter, or if he would just leave JT Quinn there. I, I mean, he could have done the TBD thing. Um, but, you know, gives the, uh, JT Quinn time to to get mentally ready and know that he's going to get the ball on Sunday. So, uh, dude, Real I know, quick,
1: dude. I don't want to interrupt, but that's an interesting point you make last year when he did the TBD thing so often is because there were a bunch of other options. Do you think that speaks to the fact that it's like, I don't know what else I would do. So we are just going to do this and go ahead yeah. and announce it because there's nothing else to consider. If that, does that make any sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, the only other person on the team with starting experience, um, Jordan Vera started a game at Jacksonville state. Um, I believe that's the only other one. So uh, yeah, no, it's looked, he knows his guy on Sunday and, and, and that's fine. So, um, now you've got to figure out, look, you just hope Jack can give you five quality innings and you gotta figure out how you're gonna get through the other nine and, and you know what's scary for Ole Miss from that perspective is I'm not sure I'll ask you on Friday night if Ole Miss has a four to two lead in the bottom of the night and you have your pick, who do you want on the mound? Like like if you're Mike Bianca. who do you want on the mound in that situation?
1: Is it a pick? It has it's Mason Nichols. I understand the way he <laughs> struggles. I know what you're uh, getting at.
0: It, it, is it? Is it not Morrell? Because I fair. think I would rather I think I'd rather have Morrell right now. Um so, Wait, okay, I so I'm
1: operating point. on the assumption that so you're right. This is an interesting kind of hypothetical to play out. How did they get to the ninth inning post Doherty exit? Fair.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a that's a good point. But I guess my point would be all right, like just hypothetically, Jack gives you six. I don't necessarily think they're going to bridge it to Nichols with, you know, morell at that point. I think they're just gonna let my dude go and finish it after last weekend and then um you know what I mean? Like like if they have to use Nichols because morell wears out of gas, fine. But I don't think they're they're setting things up for him at this point, if that makes sense.
1: No, it's a it's a good point because of the lack of depth that they have there too, because in a in a like from that standpoint, you do have to worry about two other games, so say what you're the, the you're talking about you'd rather have morell out there like to to that aspect of things, if you have Doherty and morell comes in at the time, let's just say for the f like maybe we're all thinking he's bridging the game, yeah. Would you rather have him just finish it so you have someone behind Rivas tomorrow? Because that's another yeah. thing about the injuries and everything. I keep pointing out to people this is honestly just becoming a sheer numbers game of just available dudes that are somewhat reliable to go out there and pitch for you. Wouldn't you almost rather have Morell finish it so you have at least another guy you know you can go to behind Rivas the next day?
0: Yes. And so I had this thought process last weekend when they were, when they brought Nichols in, and it wasn't necessarily that I thought it was the wrong move. I thought my thought process was this Ole Miss does not have enough depth at 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 pitcher to just take dudes off the mound that are pitching well like if you find a guy that's throwing well you need to ride him into the ground that day um get every last drop out of him that you can don't just take him out because you've got your closer if that makes sense like if somebody you have found cuz you are so inconsistent on the mound If somebody decides to be consistent, get every single thing that you can get out of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, last year Mike abandoned the concept of starting pitching there. That was a fun (laughs) couple of weeks. But like, do you abandon the closer idea now because you just need guys to finish it? Like, is that what this 2023 is about to become?
0: Yeah, so uh, that's certainly interesting. And another thing is, you know, Mason Nichols didn't pitch at the end of games last year. He was, he was the bridge guy to a guy like Brandon Johnson. So, and you know, we've seen before certain guys are, not good in certain roles and and maybe, and I'm not saying Nichols isn't, but, but maybe that's not his role. Maybe they flipped them. Maybe because we certainly know we, and have seen that Mason Nichols has pitched really well in big spots for oldness. for goodness sakes. He was extremely, extremely good in game one of uh, the college world series final and got him out of a very big situation. Um, so he can certainly pitch and be a good pitcher in the SEC, but you just kind of have to find that role. And because of you know the the limited pitching depth that Ole Miss possesses right now, it just feels like you're you're kind of doing yourself a disservice by taking somebody off the mound that is pitching well, um, just so you can go to this concept of a closer that you have. So, you, and then in turn, you even burn the closer because that was my, my issue last Saturday was, okay, if you go to Nichols right now, you just burn Morrell and Nichols for game two. Where if you just Rod Matt, uh, Mitch, um, speaking of Matt, um, coming back next year, anyways, um, but if you just run, you know, Mitch Morrell and you just burn him, you've, you've got one of your guys that you trust available for game two. So it's a delicate situation that Mike has to manage for sure. It is because they
1: both have to be good. You're not in a situation yeah. where one of them that, that plan goes awry and one of them can be bad.
0: Yeah. No, certainly. Um, so yeah, no, it's uh it's a tough situation and Mike's gonna have to do a good job managing it. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's it it is something. Um I'm kinda of fascinated to see how it plays out. But like they they the the way this works out is it would kind of put a bow on like the starting pitching change conversation. If you do get five good innings from Doherty, maybe you get five and change and you're able to win that Friday night game. All of a sudden you feel a hell of a lot better about the rest of the weekend because you know from what you've seen so far that Xavier Rivas is going to give you a chance on Saturday and then Sunday, who the hell knows? A&M doesn't have a world beater on Sunday by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I would just feel more confident if I roll miss on paper with the whole Doherty Rivas thing, giving you a chance in those two, the first two games, because you know, Grayson Sonier, it sucks for him. And we we I brought this up at the beginning of the season. I kind of posed the question to you of just like, hey, why will this be different for this freshman? And it didn't turn out to be that way. But like this happens. You struggle. But I guess my point in all of this would be after they blew that game one against Florida, I knew they weren't really winning game two. It it just sure. it felt that way. There was a lack of confidence. There was a lack really just a lack of uh, evidence to the contrary. And now you don't necessarily have that. And some days in the SEC, game threes can kind of become an offensive crapshoot anyway. So at least you're giving yourself a chance in the first two games where you feel like you need to have some sort of leg up or at least comparative, um, you know, not ineptitude, but ability on the mound in the first two games. I think this gives them that while it's not the perfect world. I mean, we talk about the lack of a closer
0: situation. The
1: the reason we're here is because their team's closer is uh, now their Friday night guy, as we've discussed. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, So... Yeah, it's a tough situation. And um, look, the pitching has to be better, but but as you mentioned, the offense has to be better as well. Um, you know, you had the two games that that almost performed okay um, against Florida, but the other four games, I would I would say their offense hasn't been good enough. And uh, you know, look, this offense is is one that was recruited to put up runs, and they believed could put up runs, and I still, to an extent, think they're going to put up runs, uh, but they have to be good. They they really really do. And and you you would think against the A and pitching staff it's not very good. Uh, to put it night put it nicely um that they would they would take that opportunity and put up runs, so um you know it's it's going to be a bit, big weekend and certainly nowhere near as tough of a matchup um as Florida and Vanderbilt were
1: last thing on this before I want to get to the offensive side of it do you do you worry at all about um we talk about it being a numbers game? Like Saunier, what do you do with him now? Like, do you think he's an option out of the bullpen? Because at the end of the day, for an already thin bullpen, you've taken a bullpen option in JT Quinn and made him um, a starter. So that is, but again, just one less arm deducted from the bullpen.
0: So, so here, here's my question. Um, if you don't use him in the bullpen, the next logical option is where for right now? I have no clue. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a midweek starter. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Get, I'm
1: thinking in terms of this weekend. And they could to be in clear, like they couldn't have started
0: him on Tuesday. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but my my issue with starting him in the midweek is this. Okay. Do you need Grayson Sonia this year? I think if you ask Mike that question and, and put true ceremony on him, he would say, Yes, I need Grayson Sonia this year. Okay. I don't necessarily, especially if if we are to expect Hunter Elliott to come back and pitch for the Ole Miss Rebels this year, I don't necessarily see a role for him in the rotation um and maybe I'm wrong but I expect that that Hunter Elliott will be in the rotation I expect that Xavier Rivas will be in the rotation I expect Jack Gordy or JT Quinn whichever one pitches better over the next few weeks um to be in the rotation um now if both of those guys uh struggle then maybe not but I I, I don't necessarily see a role for Grayson Sonia as a starter in the Ole Miss rotation this year maybe maybe I'm wrong um, but I guess I say that to say this, if there's going to be a role for him, I would expect that it should be in the bullpen. I think his stuff could play up out of the bullpen and, um, his stuff reminds me, do you remember Chad Smith? Um, Dude, when they moved is the major
1: leaguer Chad Smith. You're talking yeah. about now.
0: Yeah. His stuff played up out of the pen and was really good, and they still used him in some spot-start situations in the SEC tournament, and he actually found himself back into the rotation toward the end of the year. He was originally um, a Saturday guy, too, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Um, but, yeah, it's. Um, I, I think his stuff would play in the bullpen, and I think if he's going to have a role for this team, it is going to be in the bullpen. So I think you have to at least try it there.
1: What year was that? That 2016. Yeah, so that was post-Omaha, and it was Chad Smith, Sean Johnson, and the Friday
0: guy was Trent. Brady Bramlett. Holy – wait. Brady Bramlett, Chad Smith, um, and Sean Johnson. Eventually, uh, James McArthur found himself into the rotation along with David Parkinson. Both Sean Johnson and Chad Smith went into the bullpen.
1: I thought that was 16 because, remember, you had a year. That where- was
0: 16. That was 16.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So what was the rot- – this makes this is literally just from mental sanity. What was the <laughs> rotation in 15 then?
0: Um, it was Brady, Bramlett, Christian, Trent, and then Sam Smith started on Sundays until they just couldn't do it anymore, and they put Will Stokes in there. And then Sam Smith, I believe, returned at some point.
1: Damn, I've completely memory hold that season. I just remember him <laughs> as the. I remember Bramett was the Friday guy. Uh,
0: actually, thinking. Scott Weathersby finished that year as the Sunday guy. I forgot that.
1: But Stokes actually had that good game at Vanderbilt where uh, he did. Where Colby Bortles hit that not walk off, but the, what it was the grand slam to tie it, and they wanted extras, or I can't. Anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. That's a what a blast from the past there. Um, <laughs> moving on to kind of the opponent, Texas A and M. They're 1-5 and in the conference, and they need this weekend just about as badly as Ole Miss does. They are a four-run eighth inning in the finale against LSU, away from being in the same position that Ole Miss is uh, at 0-6 in the conference. That, That Sunday win now looks even larger after they got swept at Tennessee. They didn't really do a ton well in Knoxville. They gave up a ton of runs. They gave up, how does that, 27 runs on the weekend, and they didn't necessarily hit well. They scored, what did that be, 17? They're a team that is does not hit the ball. Uh, they are one of the worst offenses in the conference uh, for the year. Conference play, they've been a little bit better through two weekends, and they're a very average rotation. So when you talk about an Ole Miss rotation and Ole Miss pitching staff in general that needs to be better, this is, would kind of be just what the doctor ordered. Like if there is ever a lineup you're facing and you want to try to get some length to protect a thin bullpen – this is it. Like the, I feel like this matchup plays decently in Ole Miss's hands because they're not an explosive lineup, and at the same time, they don't really pitch it that well at all. I'm just not necessarily sure how good A and M is in general.
0: Yeah, no, it's certainly an interesting um, situation because, you know, look, there, there's dudes back from that A and M lineup that was so good last year. I mean, Jack Moss was really, really good. I wish he was an Ole Miss Rebel. Um, and Ole Miss certainly wanted him. Um, Austin Boss. Yeah, Bost is really, really good. Um, even if he's talking noise to pitchers, um, they've got dudes in that lineup. I'm not sure Bryce Blom is still there. I feel like he graduated at some point, but he might still be there for all I know. Remember that name? Yes, um, I do.
1: Second baseman for Ole Miss for a year. Yeah, or
0: thought he second baseman. Starting. I say
1: reserve second baseman.
0: Yeah, he wasn't he the one that thought he should be starting over Gray Kessinger at shortstop? That is correct. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um. Yeah. So. So they, but they have dudes back in that line and up uh, Tarzak, I believe is back. And yeah. So, but, but for whatever reason, it's not been that great this year. And sometimes that just kind of happens. Um It's currently happening to the team in Oxford that where you have guys back that, but, but aren't, aren't having necessarily great years. Um So yeah, not, not a great offense. It gives you a chance to, uh, to maybe to maybe pitch it and get your, get yourself some confidence because I do believe there is an element of um, these freshmen have gotten the crap kicked out of them and, and they need something to good to happen for them um, and if it does then maybe maybe they're able to to snap out of what's uh, what's plaguing them.
1: Nathan Detmers is Texas A&M's Friday guy. Yeah, his split so far this year is interesting. He was a a starter for them on the weekend last year. He's been pretty good for the most part against bad opponents. On opening day, he pitched four and two-thirds shutout innings with eight strikeouts against Seattle. Next weekend, he goes six and a third against Portland. I think he allowed one earned run, struck out seven, a couple walks, got banged around a little bit against Louisville, only lasted two innings, was two innings of shutout ball against Northern Kentucky, and then goes six and five against LSU innings, that is, against LSU and Tennessee, respectively. But he gave up four runs against LSU and then nine against Tennessee, despite giving them some link. It's a guy that pitches pretty well against teams that don't necessarily hit well and has been pretty susceptible against any lineup with a pulse. Um, I think I mentioned the Louisville start in there where he only went two. It's a very good litmus test for the Ole Miss offense. Like, if you're a good offense, you will knock this guy around and you will score some runs and it will not be your typical Friday night start. Yeah, no, certainly. Um. Yeah. And almost got I, to him a little bit last year. I don't remember anything about this game, but they scored four runs on him in four and two thirds innings and he got pulled. But I've never. Um, heard I, of actually,
0: that. I actually do because I was there. Um, If you remember, that was the game. It was the last series of the year. <clears throat> and Dylan DeLucia, if you remember the week before, had started on Thursday or uh, no, it was Friday against LSU, thrown like 37 pitches, came back on Saturday and threw like 65 more. And then after doing that, I'd had to start against A and M on Thursday. Uh, Delusha wasn't very good. Uh, that That's was the last right. time he, he was. That was the last time he wasn't very good for an, old, for an Ole Miss uniform. Um, and Detmer wasn't very good either. But but A uh, and M's offense was able to just do a good bit. Um, and then if you remember, Peyton Chotnier and John Gaddis got into it with Austin Bosses. He rounded second base. John Gaddis gets ejected. Mike Bianco gets ejected. Um, and from that moment forward, Ole Miss decided to play good baseball for the most part. Maybe, maybe that's what got them together. I don't know. Um, but that was yeah, the weekend I, where
1: you felt like, okay, they have to have a game. They win that, uh, Friday game, which was game two, 14 yeah. to six. And then it was like, I right, if Sunday removes all doubt and they didn't because they lost 12 to five.
0: Yeah. Um, because, because five left, I believe, Drew McDaniel in there way too long. Um, way too long. Yeah. Or maybe it was Derek Diamond. Either one sounds right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh yeah I remember that game and, and I don't know. Look, this offense for A is not the offense from last year, and you just hope that that your dudes are able to go out there and pitch well and get some confidence about themselves because, um, you know, look, the schedule for the most part doesn't ease up next week. I believe they have Arkansas coming into town. Um, it's a good quality baseball team, so you know it's it's look it's life in the SEC and and you're zero and six right now and. Nobody's going to feel bad for you. You're the defending national champions. People are going to come after you. That's how it works. So you you, you just and it's unfortunate, really, from from that aspect because you're playing and pitching a lot of new kids. Um, but that's what happens when you win that title. You, you 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 get people's best shots, and you've got to be able to handle it.
1: Yep, you're right about that. It was Derek Diamond because I now remember this actually pretty well, where he'd given up like a run or two in the first couple innings. Ole Miss puts up a four spot in the third, where you're thinking they're taking control of that game, like five to two. Lineup turns over, and that was a seven run fourth inning for the Aggies, where Derek Diamond was kind of just left out there to, uh, to wither away. And that was uh, that was the last game of the regular season. Saturday, kind of the same deal for a And M. They have a guy that's been. Pretty good for them. It's not Lampkin. That's the Sunday guy. I'm now blanking on this. Uh, not Detmers. I'm, I'm not blanking on the dude's name. Troy Wansing. This is the dude that he was at uh, Purdue transfer. Fro, freshman, uh, Big Ten last year, transfers for Purdue. Kind of the same deal. Hasn't given them a lot of money. He's been very, very bad in SEC play. He's gone two and a third and one and a third in his two SEC starts. Kind of similar to Sonia in that sense. There's opportunity. I guess my point in this all this is they have a guy named um, uh, Justin Lampkin on Sundays, who gives them a chance, kind of Rivas-esque. I think Rivas' stuff is probably a little bit better from this guy. I watched a little bit of that Sunday game against LSU. But the first two games in my is, uh, is are very gettable for Ole Miss, and it'll be a litmus test for this offense. As much as we talked about this pitching, this is where I'll throw these numbers at you. You know, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday where I was kind of like, hey, the pitching hasn't been good. The offense hasn't been great either. Um, Ole Miss is the has is through two SEC weekends. Again, small sample size is last in the conference in batting average, second to last in slugging, and slash and on base percentage. They have been one of the two worst offenses, along with A and M, uh, through the first two weekends. And for a team that was going to be short pitching wise, minus you know the Elliott injury and Parento when they got into the season, that just cannot continue to happen. Yeah, it certainly cannot continue to happen this weekend. This offense has to be good and carry them this weekend. This is the perfect setup for score six or seven runs on Friday night, score eight or nine, and give your team a chance or your pitching staff a chance to salt it away and
0: get two wins early. Yeah, no, look, it's um, the offense hasn't been good enough. Now, when you look at this, you're probably we're probably in. May gonna look back and say, yeah, the the dudes they saw were really good, right? Because you talk about a Carter Holt and you talk about Brandon Spro, you talk about Hurston Wildrup, and you talk about Cag Leon, Man, you may be talking about four first round draft picks there, and then yeah. Hunter Hunter Owen is 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 likely to be one as well. Um, so yeah, you know, look, it's it's I think you faced good arms, but I think if you ask Mike Clement. He would hope that his offense was a little bit more competitive at times. There's been too many strikeouts. There's been um, too many uncompetitive at bats from from. And, and what I think would bother them the most is, man, they've had guys that are returning that are not performing well. Let's just call it like it is. And I'm not concerned about him. Um, but Gonzo's not exactly had a great six games. Um, you know, and 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 kind of like Tim Elko last year, they kind of go as he goes for whatever reason so so Ole Miss certainly needs him to perform well and i expect that he will there, there's uh that kid is way too good to, to have you know to be hitting 200 in sec play and i don't expect that'll continue after this weekend um but they need him to get going they need yet to get going he's a, he's a spark plug they need McCants to get going because frankly i mean you look at the bench th- th- those guys are not coming out of the lineup i, I, I we probably should have mentioned they started udermark at third base yesterday in place of Leger. Um, but but you need the guys that you know are not coming out of the lineup to perform because you know they're not coming out of the lineup, um, as simplistic as that sounds.
1: No, you're exactly right. The the dudes that have been there, done that, the dudes that have faced Detmers before, they need to perform, and they need to perform well this weekend. Look, if you look up, and it's like 3-1 A&M or something in the fifth inning the, on Friday night, that's kind of a not death knell, but that that's bad news for Ole Miss. Like, I feel like they the recipe for success this weekend, here's breaking news here, score some runs early, <laughs> get to Denver, yeah. and get into that A&M bullpen. Cause the bullpen brain has been pretty average, not as bad as their starting <laughs> pitching has been through conference play, but that is kind of the recipe this weekend. And you know, if you have, you know, three pretty non-competitive innings and you let that kid settle into the game, he will give you length. He might be a little <laughs> bit susceptible, but they need to get after him early. And I'm curious about how that goes, but I mean, we hit this at the top of the show. It's uh it's about as important of a weekend in March as you could possibly have for a team because they started zero and six. Last thing I kind of want to have I have on this weekend for Ole Miss, you bring JT Quinn in. He's had some a couple of midweek starts. He's come out of the bullpen a bit. I am in no way suggesting that this guy is going to become Dylan Delucia, but I wanted to package this into an actual baseball question that you could answer better. You remember when Dylan Delucia came into the rotation at Kentucky? Yeah. When that happened, it was just kind of like, okay, sure, they're trying something different, but that wasn't a. Delucia has been awesome out of the pen. Of course, you would make this move. He just seemingly translated way better as a starter. Why do you think that was, and is there any reason to believe that Quinn getting a shot on the weekend will translate better as a starter?
0: Uh, you broke on me for a second. Were you asking why Delucia translated better as a starter?
1: yes and if there's any uh if Um, there's any evidence to believe that some um, of that clearly not to the same level as delucia would happen with quinn
0: uh so look this is my uneducated opinion because i haven't seen the the rapsoda numbers on delucia um but what i believe the reason is is because the look the two seam fastball and the slider that he possessed were really really good but there is a ceiling to it um one he's a gamer right like like he's just going to be juiced. And some guys just are more um, creatures of habit, need their routine. And, and some of it is like his arsenal is not going to necessarily play up. Like him throwing harder is not necessarily going to help him, if that makes sense. So um, the issue I, I think I would – not issue, but the reason that, that I don't know if that's going to be the case with JT Quinn is because, look, he's a guy that I believe came into Ole Miss and, and was throwing 95 to 97 miles an hour. Um, so so he he's a guy with pretty good velo and can run it up there pretty good. And I'm not saying the kid can't start. Certainly Ole Miss has seen him and Mike Bianco believes he can start, so I believe he can start. Uh, but I I just don't know if he's going to be the guy that you look at and say, hey, you know, he, he just is better as a starter. because so, I think he has the stuff to be um a good bullpen guy. So so I, I, I don't know. I think it may be a little too early to know. Uh, but but the reality is Ole Miss just had to make a change. Uh, they and, and, look, you you couldn't trot the kid out there on Saturday that that after you lose on Friday night that you got to go. You talk about Saturday or Game 2 being very, so important. Well, man, you got to have one of your best two dudes there. And, and Ole Miss, I don't think anyone would argue, didn't currently have that.
1: Is there any way – you look at Xavier Rivas. He gets moved up as the Game 2 starter. will go on Saturday this weekend – Rivas' last three starts, he went six innings of one-run ball against Purdue. He went five innings and gave up three runs on like a I think it was only like one hit um, against Vanderbilt. And then last weekend, he goes five and two-thirds, gives you some length. I mean, particularly from Ole Miss' starting pitching perspective, that is just incredible length uh, given the scale last weekend. <laughs> and they didn't play very good defense behind him. Is that the guy that becomes the dude that gives them stability? Because that's a guy that c- came from the D2 level – Kind of got his feet wet. He had a really bad outing against Maryland, where he walked a bunch of people, and it just didn't go well. But the last three times he stepped on the mound, he's been pretty good. Do you see that as a potential guy that as the guy that becomes someone that stabilizes this
0: rotation? You remember, you know who he reminds me of, um, and we talked about this team earlier. Somewhat reminds me of David Parkinson. Remember him? Yes, I do. Yeah, it, it kind of just stabilizing feels like a good word. Like he's going to give you a chance every Saturday um now i what here's what i wonder when hunter elliott comes back and and you you probably know more than me on this but i I do expect that they think he'll be back relatively soon um you you would expect that at some point he may he takes back over the friday night role mike for whatever reason doesn't if if he's got two of the same handed pitchers in a line or in a rotation um usually likes to split those up so i am kind of interested to see how you see what i'm saying like I don't know if he'd want to throw two lefties in a row on Friday and Saturday, so I'm interested when that comes about what he would do. Uh, but, but it feels like right now with, with Jack Gordy on Friday nights, a David Parkinson situation where you just put him in there and and he, he look he has been good, he's been in the zone, the stuff is good enough, he shut down Florida, he has given you a chance almost every single Sunday. Um, yeah, every single every single third game he has given you a chance. Uh, unfortunately, the last two weeks, Ole Miss has not taken advantage of that chance. So I think, yeah, stabilizing feels like a really, really good word for him.
1: Well, and if that becomes the case and you get Hunter Elliott back, isn't that the best case scenario for this team? It's like, okay, we now have a Saturday guy that's going to give you five and two-thirds to six innings and, like, really give you a chance on Saturdays in game two, and if you pair him with Hunter Elliott, okay, then figure the Sunday thing out. There's been pretty damn good teams that haven't had the Sunday thing figured out. I, I know we kind of went down the road of would you leave Doherty in the rotation, but Xavier Rivas continues the more and more I think about this feel a little bit more important of a pitcher because if he becomes a viable option on Saturday, wouldn't that allow you to take Doherty back to the pen and stabilize that a little bit? And then you just figure the Sunday thing out with someone else.
0: Yeah, it could for sure. Um, look, if Hunter Elliott masked a lot of issues if he comes back and is his same person. And and I think it's worth noting because I, th- I believe Mike mentioned this in a press conference, Riley Maddox is is maybe a little bit closer to, to pitching for the rebels this year than than maybe they
1: anticipated through a hundred percent bullpen uh, this week.
0: I had somebody mention this to me today, and I don't want to say their name because I don't know if they, they want their name out there. Um, uh, but but knows a lot about baseball and and, and has been around Ole Miss baseball um uh, for a long time. Um, and he mentioned it was a good point. Would you consider? starting it when when the kid comes back riley maddox there there's not but one way but to control um and limit the variables for this kid coming off tommy john and it's to start it
1: i, Ooh, give, I like this where you it is you are starting on this day this is how this happens you this don't have you, you don't have
0: irregularities yeah. between when you pitch is what you're getting at yeah the, there, there's less variables and you keep him on a whatever pitch count you you deem necessary um I just thought about that, and I'm like, that's a really solid idea. So I wonder if there's there's that thought process because we've seen it plenty of times. You know, uh, guys get loose in the fourth inning, and then they sit down, and guys get loose and again in the sixth, and then they sit down, and then they have to get really hot really quick in the seventh, and they have to come in come in the game. And I'm not sure that the guy coming off Tommy John that that's conducive to uh, the betterment of of his future. So. I just, I thought that That's was an, an interesting, interesting theory
1: because not only that it's, it you could situation you're beholden to game situations. where not only just getting hot, you could go two, three games without actually getting in a game. And one or two of those, you maybe thought you were getting in as you were alluding to like, yeah. there's a bullpen brings irregularities of when you pitch and for God coming off, Tommy, John, I'm no doctor here. That would seem a little bit more detrimental than this is when you're going to pitch and we've got the schedule.
0: And I just wonder if maybe you say, Hey, that dude on Sunday is going to go throw fifty pitches. and We'll figure out um, kind of like a pseudo opener. Um, the uh, the podcast forces Mike to use an opener. That's if if this happens, we're taking credit for it. Along with the guy that told me.
1: I mean, I don't even really know. We've been doing this podcast like four years. Mike is now shifting, and if he starts using an opener, what what else is next? We get like we can't hope for anything. Do have we peaked? Like I don't under Like what else would we yeah, do? They, do just they, have to they be don't doing they, it?
0: they don't bunt. They don't bunt. Um. So yeah, no. I think it, I think at that point we're just running the baseball team through a podcast. Yeah, I I'd
1: I have to think so too. Mike texts me for, about decision making stuff all the time. <laughs> um, so it's gonna be an important weekend We're all Miss. Um, you know, I, there's some times or earlier this year where, particularly before kind of the injuries started piling up, we're like i I watched pretty much every game. Some of the midweek stuff is harder to get to with my job, but like. Sure. I'm just sitting there thinking, like, what does this actually mean? Like, <laughs> this weekend I will be locked in. Like, this actually feels like it's one that means a lot. Would you agree? Like, I, yeah. this would be about as uh, geeked uh, for a March series I've ever been from a storyline standpoint. Because yeah. I feel like for better for worse, we will learn a ton.
0: So, um, I'm I'm lucky in that I don't I don't get a ton of Friday nights off, but I'll but I'll have this one off. Um, so I'll get to get to watch this one. Um, we'll be able to watch on Saturday, most likely, but we'll be able to watch on Friday and Sunday. Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited. And, and it, frankly, it feels like, look, it feels like some kind of in a way postseason baseball, because man, you know, if you lose this series, you are up against it mathematically.
1: No, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's like, what are you talking about postseason series in March? It's like, well, we, when you lose six games in a row and you're 0 6, like the reason for the postseason is because there are no tomorrows. Like you start losing and it starts determining the outlook of your season substantially. And that's, that's exactly what's about to happen with this team three weekends in for sure. I think that's a great way to put it. And it's going to be a fun series because again, as I keep pointing out, AM needs it too. They're one in five. I mean, the, yeah. if AM, if they, them going two and seven, like it's a very interesting contrast because if Ole miss they win two games you're like okay now they got to two and seven. Not that they can breathe a little bit, but you feel a lot better about yourself. Um no AM needs to get to three and six because the week after that, AM, well, I say that, and then all of a sudden I look up and I see they've got Auburn, Georgia, and Kentucky. Uh no, excuse me, Auburn, Missouri, and Kentucky the next three weeks. That actually feels like a little bit of a break for them, but be that as it may, they still need the series really bad. And I think you will see two desperate baseball clubs this weekend, which you don't always get in late March.
0: No, no. It'll be a high-intent series. And, you know, you remember last year these, these clubs got into it a little bit. So um, two chippy teams and, and two teams that, that that finished, you know, their season in Omaha last year um, kind of fighting to keep their keep their season on track.
1: Will we have a pitch clock controversy this weekend because this is the program notorious for four-hour games?
0: Yeah, and then Schloss got on the Twitter machine yelling about it. Um, Didn't he say know. it was ruining baseball? Did that Yeah, never... it's ru- ruining the game. Ruining the game or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe don't make baseball take six hours, Schloss. I don't know. And I think he does a really good job. He's a really good coach. For the most part, he's a pretty good dude. But, like, come on, man. Like, you, you're you the reason this thing got put in.
1: We like college baseball more than more, most probably any yeah. of the average listeners. They were tough to, to... watch. Yes, and like I complain about how long the games are doesn't mean I'm going to stop watching. But it's like, my God, man, I, can I have a, a little bit of my Friday night back? Like I, I, this game started at six. Why at ten o'clock am I still having to watch the eight?
0: And, that, and that's when it's two to two.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It just becomes a commitment where it's like, look, I mean, I don't. I like this sport. I, I like Ole Miss football. I like NFL football. But if I tuned on the the noon slate. Of NFL football and at 4 30 p.m i'm like oh how's the fourth quarter gonna go I'm Like, actually i'm not actually sure <laughs> i'm not actually sure this is worth the time investment but <laughs> i'm just gonna sit on my soapbox and complain but anyway let's look around the sec before we get out of here real quick um as i pull it up here in live action using the uh fancy pants d1 baseball app uh they got a good app and they got a good website props to kindle and the guys there i don't know how as an intern in the spring of 2017 i can take credit for that but i'm sure as hell gonna try um (laughs) where the hell is this sec lineup this is terrific podcasting um all right as i pull this up last thing on this thoughts on this Will we see a little brouhaha this weekend? You mentioned having a little bit of history. Do you think we get any sort of chippiness this weekend? Um,
0: no, I, I don't, because the the guys that it was between, you know, Gaddis, uh, not not here anymore. Um, no, and, and and I'll I'll be sh- be honest. I bet that uh, Bianco probably says, "Hey, we're not going to do that uh, when you go play baseball." So uh, no, I, I don't think. I think both. Both programs have pretty good dudes running their running their program, and and that that I don't think that we have a dust up this weekend. I will say, it is interesting um, that Mike and Schloss are like best friends, but they have got their two teams have gotten into it multiple times. So maybe maybe we do. Last year um, they did, and then then the two thousand people don't remember this, but in the two thousand and twelve regional, uh, when TCU beat Ole Miss twice, and Slosh was at. Uh, TCU, the teams got into it pretty good the Sunday night game, um, when they, when TCU forced the game on Monday. So yeah, the, these teams are kind of similar and the programs are, are run kind of in the same way where they don't really back down from stuff. So but now that I say that out loud, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be totally shocked.
1: Well, I mean, say that the Friday game doesn't go well for Ole Miss. They're trailing on Saturday. You're staring, you know, one and eight, best-case scenario, straight in the face. Mike's been a little more relaxed this year. Would he just gather everyone up, i like, look, we're probably not going to win this series, but let's win, you know, the battle royale. Let's just go beat the shit out of them, like assault style, not on the field. make <laughs> them, aren't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't see that. I don't foresee – Mike Fianco gathering his club up and saying, Look, we're we're screwed here. We're really up shit creek without a paddle. Let's assault as many people as we can in those maroon uniforms.
0: No, no, I don't I don't I don't see that one happening for uh, for the rebels. But he might feel like it at some point.
1: That'd be fun. It'd be good for college baseball. It makes sports center Tony vitello big. Like, this is what I've been trying to do. I was a pioneer who got persecuted. Now they're stealing the stolen valor. Um <laughs> Tony Vitello. This is WWE, isn't it? Yeah, are you not entertained? All right, I got it <laughs> up now. Here we go. Um, Georgia Vanderbilt in Nashville. Are the Commodores going to go 9-0? Uh, no,
0: I think they lose a the game, but uh, I think they win two of them for sure.
1: They're good, but it doesn't feel like Tennessee last year. Remember we were like, are they, when, when yeah. they going to lose one?
0: Yeah, no, I don't think we're that. I'll go Vandy too.
1: This is the made up pick 'em we we started last year. <laughs> Auburn, Florida in Gainesville.
0: Uh Florida two. I don't I don't think Butch lets his boys get swept, but uh, I think Florida's too too talented to lose that series. So gonna go with uh the Gators taking two.
1: Alabama, Arkansas, in Fayetteville. If it feels <laughs> like Alabama, like you know, you talk about their good. They had an admiral showing last week, but then they let ten, uh, Kentucky take two of three from them at home. That feels like they need this real bad. Are we sure Arkansas is a
0: great baseball team?
1: No, I think uh, I think Van Horn's done a remarkable job dealing with yet another Friday night arm injury. I am not sure they are a great baseball team, but I give them all the credit in the world for the start they've gotten off to, given <laughs> another injury on them. So, no, I'm actually going to go – we'll go upside here. I'm going to go –
0: yeah, I'm actually there too. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think Arkansas, for whatever reason, doesn't maybe has some LSU hangover and doesn't play particularly well. And the and and Bama goes in there and gets two.
1: The non-baseball fans at Missouri that care about the sport are probably Be serious for them. Yeah, it is. They're probably about to figure out the reality of just how brutal this league is. Kentucky, or excuse me, Missouri sweeps Tennessee on opening weekend. Rightfully so, feeling great about themselves. And then they go get swept at South Carolina. And that's what we talk about all the time, the power of the sweep versus the sweep. If Tennessee goes and loses, or excuse me, Missouri, loses two of three at uh, South Carolina in the Battle of the Columbias, you're like, all right, fine. You got out of that at, what, five and uh, four and two. Like, you feel pretty good about it. Now you're three and three, and you're going on the road against a Kentucky team that has now climbed into the top 20, who, to your credit, I said I wasn't sold on Kentucky. You said you were a little more sold, and they go win a road series at Alabama. They might be good.
0: Yeah, no, Kentucky's good. Um, I don't care. I'll t- I'll, I'll be a pseudo Cats fan this year. I'll take the Cats in too.
1: I'm gonna go Missouri too because they pitch it pretty well, and I think they really need that. They series. do. I'm going up, uh, uh, upset on the road there. Two more left before we get to the um, Ole Miss series. Um, the marquee one of the weekend. Tennessee goes to Baton Rouge. This will be must see television. Yeah. Um. You think there'll be any fireworks in that? Mm. What if Vitello does his Vitello antics, you know, sixth inning, 1030 at night on a Friday night at Alex Box for the, Bo- you know, Bo- the inch of whiskey section, is chicken there.
0: Yeah, Boudreaux and Section L might come get him. Does he fight a fan? <laughs> Can we get a prop bet on Vitello's swings and a fan?
1: Well, you get a Obviously, you get ejected if you chest bump an umpire. I know he was in, incredulous just to learn that, that you can't do that. If he just gives a, if he gives a fan a mouthy fan a two piece, does he get ejected?
0: I think he does. I think, he, well, I think the fan's think not part run. of the
1: game, and if no one sees it, does it count? Like well, you know, part don't. of the
0: dugout type situation? Yeah, I mean you can do whatever you want if nobody sees it. Literally anything. If nobody sees it, nobody finds out. Um, they're gonna yell at Vitello all night long, and at some point he's gonna snap. I just see it. I can't wait.
1: And if there's, I'm going to go LSU too, but I will say talk about the advantage that LSU has with it, yeah. a robot on Friday night. If there's anyone that pitches it well enough to kind of pseudo match them for three days and lessen that gap with schemes on Friday night, it's, it's Tennessee.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dolander and Burns can, can certainly do that. Um, yeah, no, um, no. The, Tennessee's issue is Dolander was bad against Missouri and then Burns was bad last week against A&M. So, they need both of those guys to pitch well because this is certainly not the offense that Tennessee had last year. But, um, yeah, you're, it's a really good point. Those guys have the arms to at least match up with them and give them an opportunity.
1: I'm going to LSU too. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's what I'm doing as well. I don't. But want I'm to thinking three thing.
1: pretty damn good games. That would actually be a ton of fun to watch. And I think you get a later – no, Ole Miss has the later game on Saturday, so you'll get an earlier game. State, South Carolina, that starts uh, probably – some people are listening to this probably – uh, has started by the time we were uh, they're listening to it. It's Thursday through Saturday series.
0: That was a long way to way of saying that. Oh boy! Uh, yeah. Uh, look, I'm gonna let's take the obvious here. State needs to win a game this weekend. It, I don't know if things are gonna go well um, for everybody if State gets swept again by South Carolina at home. Right? This is at home.
1: Yes, this is in Starkville. South Carolina is 6 and 0 in the SEC. Now that has come again look, I'm not knocking anyone um for starting 6 and 0 in this conference, but that has come against Georgia and Missouri, right? They haven't really faced a premier club yet. I'm not saying state is the premier club. I'm just pointing that out to say like, how good is South Carolina? I think they are a pretty good team. I think they pitched it pretty well. They've got some guys come, returning from last year's team that pitched it pretty well. I'm not sure how good they actually are, but They're competent and state has not done well against, well, really anyone that's competent. This this is a uh, talk about Tennessee LSU being kind of must see TV from like an entertainment standpoint and probably pretty great college baseball. This has like, does this turn into a circus or like a burning dumpster fire type must see TV? This, This could get real weird.
0: I'll ask you this, and I don't know, I'm just putting out a hypothetical. They get swept again. They make a change this week. I would say no. Like, my first reaction
1: is I think I go no, no, but I think about it before I yes, because exactly the the traditional sense is like, what does that do? You don't see a ton of in season changes in college. So I was like, what does that actually do? That'd be 20 in a row, man. That's 20 in a row. Well, and the other piece of that too is that would be exactly right. That would be 20 in a row. And from South Carolina's standpoint, you've had that kid that's been pretty good on front, Noah Hall for them, who's really good. Mahoney, I forget where they got him from. Those are kids with two two five sub ERAs. And Will Sanders is their Sunday guy, if I'm not mistaken. He's not been great, but that's a dude that's been in the SEC and been a starter in the SEC for a long time. So all of a sudden you're looking up as a state club who hasn't done anything well. If you lose those first two games against two pretty good pitchers, you're facing kind of a wily veteran to not get swept and not lose your 20th straight SEC game. That sounds like a house of horrors to me.
0: Yeah, that uh, oof. you need to win one of those first two, right? I think if you lose the first two, you're screwed. Because like, if you lose the first two, like your kids are like so mentally toasted at that point.
1: Yes, because it, it's it's been since. Game one at Missouri in early May of the season before since they've won an SEC game, and most of them have not been competitive. Again, I say this every time. This is not like a crap on State Corner. I am just kind of dumbfounded um, at how this has happened the way it has. Have you caught much of them this year? Because when you look at it, it looks different than an SEC club, and I don't know any other way to describe it. But it it's kind of jarring to watch sometimes. Like,
0: are we talking those bad Missouri teams that they used to have? Bad. I haven't watched the pitch to state this year. I'll be one hundred percent honest. I hadn't watched like like uh, any much more than Ole Miss because just been kind of busy. But I mean, are we talking like Missouri twenty fourteen levels bad? I would say the only difference is they're not as consistently
1: offensively as inept as I remember some of those early SEC Missouri teams being. But they don't have any arms. They're starting the ambidextrous Gerangelo kit as their Friday night guy. Can you imagine how bad of a spot you have to be in to have a true freshman on Friday night Um yeah. and there's really no other option? But then that happens. You're like, okay, they don't pitch it very well. Then they kind of kick the ball around they make a couple errors it's like, okay, they're not fielding it very well. And it's like, oh, the offense isn't awesome. They're kind of good sometimes in spots, but, like, not enough to carry a club for any stretch. So it's like, oh, my God, this team is terrible. So it doesn't, like, look to me per se the same way. Because remember, you had some bad Missouri teams with Tanner Houck, right? Yeah. And they don't yeah. even have that. And so my answer is yes, it just looks different. And I don't to know any other way to describe it. It's it's something, man. I mean, it's – you look, you lose, you have bad nights in the SEC – they in the seventeen game losing streak have given up twenty five plus runs twice. Do you know how hard that is to do as a Southeastern Conference baseball club? Remember that Tennessee game last year and the Vandy game, obviously uh, last Friday. Mm.
0: I'll make myself watch them Friday. I'll, I'll make. I want to see the switch. The switch pitcher, anyways. I'll I'll put Ole Miss on the TV and what Make myself watch. It's
1: <laughs> it's going to be something. I'm going to go South Carolina too. I think State gets a game.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'll go there too. I don't think state gets you can't. They, no no way you lose twenty SEC games in a row. It just can't happen. That's my only logic. I mean it obviously it obviously can. Like,
1: but Dude, I, like that there, would be a are, believe it
0: when I see it type of thing. I me. saw somebody on you laugh. I saw somebody on TikTok make this point. There's so many like mid major teams you could drop into the SEC that would not go 0 20.
1: Yes, and they would be very bad while doing it, but still not go 0 and twenty.
0: Yeah. They can't go home in twenty. Surely, surely not.
1: But again, to wrap that part up, not to belabor the point too much, what would the mid major team not go own twenty? Because they have a dude, right?
0: Yeah. And they guess
1: don't. who does not have a dude? State. So that's uh that'll be fascinating. And then Ole Miss A and M,
0: where I'll kick it to you first. I don't know how logically I can pick Ole Miss. Like it doesn't make sense in my brain, right? Like like they've been so bad now in saying that I've watched only Ole Miss. I have not watched A&M. So, so A&M maybe, maybe he's not, maybe he's even worse. There is something that tells me, Hey, Vandy and Florida are really good. And and Ole Miss's young players are not ready for that. Um, And, and they just got their teeth beat in. I do. I I just have a tough time believing that the program that won the national championship last year is going to be one and eight in SEC play. I'm going to, pick Ole Miss to win two games I think I thought I told earlier in the podcast I thought I was going to pick A&M but I, I think I've talked myself into picking Ole Miss so um, I'll tread lightly and say Ole Miss wins two and uh, hope I'm right and if I'm not um, unfortunately we'll be having another discussion on Sunday
1: no, I'm going Ole Miss too as well, and I don't think the logic behind it is actually as far-fetched as you think. And I understand the reservations for not picking Ole Miss for two games. But I, as I mentioned on Sunday, I don't think this team is as, as bad as it's looked. I don't think they're as bad as their record. A&M does not pitch it very well at all, and they are not by any stretch a dynamic, dynamic offense. Ole Miss is coming into that series having made a pitching change. And so they finally shaken it up. From that standpoint. And so I, I do think Ole Miss gets two this weekend. I, I really do. I don't know necessarily why I believe that. I just think AM is not necessarily a very good baseball club. Ole Miss is kind of shaking up the things to kind of, I don't know, shake out the cobwebs is probably not the right terminology, but they are doing something different. Remember that Kentucky series last year where it was like, okay, Ole Miss probably should win two, but man, how can you pick them after the Tennessee thing? Yeah. And then they went with something different. And I was like, I feel pretty good about them getting two this is kind of the same vibe to me. So I'm going to go on Miss too.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Hopefully hopefully that's the case. That make Sunday a lot easier.
1: I've already kept you too long. I was going to usher you out, but we talked right before the show started about some life lessons you've had to teach some uh, teenagers as you coach high school baseball. I have one question for you. I won't make you tell the story that uh, okay. you told me earlier uh, that you had to discipline a guy. Does it feel weird to discipline a guy when you're what? You're one year older than me I certainly don't feel like I'm in a position to give someone a stern talking to by any stretch. Do you ever have like imposter syndrome where you're like, damn, I'm going to have to yell at
0: this kid. But like the shithead myself, for the lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fair question. Um, I'll be honest. I I don't do a ton of yelling. I I don't. I try to make because it's not even yelling. uh, It's just the. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Because it's like, wow. Um, we're talking about the same idiot that seven years ago in college Good God, you know, or even, even five years ago. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a weird feeling. Um, I try not to, especially, uh, well, I, I try not to yell at players and stuff because like I was the kid that I didn't responded, and I don't know how you were like, if my coach yelled at me, I'm like, I, I don't now I don't care what you have to say. Um, so I, I, I try try to avoid that but yeah no it is it has gone through my head like i, I can tell you an exact situation um uh, about two weeks ago a kid did an exactly the exact same thing i did um and in high school um and i'm like i did this crap 11 years ago and here i am getting mad about this at this kid like this makes absolutely no sense but uh yeah no um I don't know if I'll, I'll be a, a, a good parent or not. That's kind of concerning because I always think, man, I was that idiot once. Oh,
1: I'm totally with you. I was the same boat. Like if someone yelled at me, I'd be like, well, who are you, dude? Like <laughs> I was that smart-ass kid that thought I knew everything. And so I was the same way. And like I – probably a story for another day. I was skating on thin ice by the time I left uh, the old Jackson Academy from an <laughs> incident in a football game that I had. I did not play football. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but whatever the statute of limitations or I've ever told you this I got in school suspension for four days for uh taking a piss on preps tennis courts before the JA prep football game I ever told you this story no they don't have a bathroom on the away side I was trying to find a shortcut not miss some first quarter action so I just kind of whiz in the bushes and like one of the like I guess campus police officers like hey man can't be in the bushes and that turned into a whole ordeal. Then they built the bathroom after that and didn't even name it after me on the away side.
0: Wait, so you had to walk to the prep side to use the bathroom?
1: Yeah, because I, for whatever reason, Jay, uh, J- uh, M- in Mississippi private Schools just can't spurge for bathrooms on both sides of their football stadium. So I was like, I'm not missing out on this. I'm just going to go in these bushes. And I was the one idiot who probably so- got caught by someone peeing in, I would say, heavily clouded bushes.
0: If you're still listening to this, this is that's on you at this point. I have to ask. So, do do JA kids and like prep kids? Is it is it pretty cordial, like, or or, when not around sports, or do they like genuinely dislike each other at all times?
1: No, it's cordial not around sports. (laughs) I mean, you get the 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 typical high school like territorial stuff, but like for the most part, it's like we all know this is two iterations of the same damn thing. So it's (laughs) it's not that big of a deal. Okay. So, but. (laughs) By the by, that point, I I, I got a couple other people – This is a story I, I can't go into the full details because my mom will probably disown me. But uh, I was uh, one of the got. Let's just say that high school kids oftentimes don't show up to their football games totally sober. And my stunt got three other kids pulled out of the stands and made them have proof of them not being sober. So I had three oh, other no. accomplices, despite me not. There was no accomplices with the. Uh, the initial act, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Oh. I acted alone, but they then started pulling kids out of the stands and they're all then the other four that got caught are looking at me like, what? Come on, man. <laughs> so um so, so anyway, saying, I, I don't even know the me? point of that story. I guess the point of that story would be like if I'm having to discipline someone, a high school kid at 29 years old, I'd be like, I'm such a hypocrite because you know, less than 12 years ago, I'm just doing dumber stuff than this kid's done.
0: So, yeah. so you're telling me you're not in the J.A. Hall of Fame? Is is that what you're telling me?
1: No, i uh not. I'm actually going back for my 10-year high school reunion, and I was surprised I got the invite. I'll put it to you that way. You're, maybe maybe not banned
0: from campus.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, if they show up and they try to, you know, I don't know, tackle me and mace me or something, I, I wouldn't be surprised, but it sounds like things are going to go well.
0: So. <laughs> That'll be fun. Oh, man.
1: This has been Colin Brister. I appreciate the time. As always, my man, we'll let you go, and we'll, we'll hire you Sunday, and good luck to you this weekend. All right, so let's go, my man. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Thanks for listening, as always. Appreciate you tuning into the podcast. Uh, don't normally do this. Probably don't do this often enough, but Chase and Neil have a podcast out with a Re- uh, Rebel Grove subscriber who supposedly solved the D.B. Cooper mystery. It is probably, if you're listening on the uh, Rebel Group feed, either above or behind this podcast, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh It is absolutely wild. Please listen to it. Uh Super sharp guy, and uh, I think he might have actually pulled this off. So uh be sure to check that out. You'll have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you on Sunday.